0: Welcome to another architecture podcast. I'm George Bradley, architect and director of London-based studio Bradley van der Straten. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in going behind the scenes of designing a house. I talk to architects from around the world about how they create inspirational places to live. In this episode, I talk to Juan Luis of the Mexican architecture practice Palma about their project, the Litabo Bungalow. A simple holiday home on the Pacific coast of Mexico, the bungalow is essentially two rooms constructed out of concrete and separated by a covered courtyard. Each of the two concrete rooms are topped by what can be described as hats constructed out of palm leaves, known locally as palapas. Me and Juan discuss the design, its remote location and the references to modern construction and traditional Mexican building techniques. I love this project for its simplicity and for the striking contrast between the hard lines of the concrete and the fluffiness of the palm leaf rooftops. You can find out more about Palmer's work at palmer-mx.com and on the podcast Instagram. I hope you enjoy listening. Well, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast session today. Uh,
1: thank you for having me.
0: Um, I thought with this project, I thought it'd be really good to start with geography and getting an idea of where the um, Littabu bungalow is located. Um, so we're on the Pacific coast here and and I know you've mentioned before that it's it's actually a very remote location, the property. Could you tell me a little bit about... Um, Little bit what it's like in the context of sort of Mexico and what what the place feels like.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I guess the first kind of geographical reference is uh, the city of Puerto Vallarta, which is um, the city, a city in the state of Jalisco on the on the Pacific coast. That's a big tourist destination. Uh, cruise ships, um, lots of international flights. Uh, and that's about an hour and a half away from the site, um, to the to the south. So the site is north of that big city. Um, the next closest kind of town, and where we're actually starting to become uh, more, starting to get more clients, is called Sayulita. Sayulita is, uh, and it, this goes in general for the area. Um, Historically, became famous for surfing. So it's really a lot of uh, surf spots along this uh, this coast, and specifically in this area in the bay uh, around Puerto Vallarta, which is called Bahia de Banderas. Um, so this and Sayulita is actually a, a very interesting town. Um, and from there, it's still about 20 minutes north to get to. Uh, the town of Iguera Blanca. Um, Litibú is actually kind of of a new residential settlement uh, just outside of Iguera Blanca. Um, Iguera Blanca is just a very, very, very small town, rustic, um, and Litibú is now more of a higher-end residential um, neighborhood. Uh, having said that there's still no sewage there's still no running water there's, there's still the, the electrical grid is there thankfully um, but basically every new project you have to you have to run the new uh, the lines to your house or even put up a new transformer which is what we had to do over here so um, yeah that's a little bit about that but yeah it's uh surfing, surfing locations, uh, and, uh, tourist, uh, tourist towns. Yeah.
0: And this is a, they're a retired couple from Las Vegas. Is that correct? They're the clients that commissioned the bungalow?
1: Right. Yeah. They're a retired couple from Las Vegas. We were originally, um, contacted by them to do the project, uh, really not because they knew who we were or they lo- were looking for our aesthetic or anything like that, uh, just because we're on the, a listing of local businesses, actually in Sayurita. That's really kind of the main hub for this type of uh, um, expats. Uh, and mm-hmm. then there's overflow that happens in two other towns such as Litigu. Um So really just because we were on the... Uh, uh, on the website of the town of local businesses. Uh, that's why they got in touch. We actually bid on it originally and then didn't hear back from them. So basically assumed that somebody had come in under us, which, uh, was the case. And then they got in touch with me several months later because they were having a terrible experience with their architect. Um, -hmm. it was, they were not being able to get what they wanted. um, Especially with the added challenge of them still being in Las Vegas and Mm -hmm. uh, hiring somebody down here, yeah.
0: What What did they want then? As in, how did they how did they come about with? Did did they have a clear brief for this project?
1: um, Somewhat, yes. And and I'll come totally clean uh, and admit that this project is actually just the guest house to uh, the main house, which is on their property. Um, Yeah, and. I think that was kind of the biggest challenge because we, when they got in touch with us, they had already been working with with another architect uh, and basically handed us a very poor design. But because of their of the process that they had gone through, they were they had somewhat arrived at something that they liked um, and didn't really want to uh, diverge from there. So the main house project kind of became a project where we were able to improve or uh, somewhat um, adapt a very poor previously designed uh, project. Um, but there wasn't a lot drawn out yet for the for the guest house, for the little bungalow. So we kind of decided to take a little bit of a leap there and um, propose something special uh, for them, and um, in all honesty, they were not that interested in the design of the bungalow. So um, we basically took it upon ourselves to to take that opportunity and, and make something awesome.
0: <laughs> so you can tell because because when you said that they'd found you because because of a local listing, not because they liked your design. That kind of sounds surprising because you see the house, and for these kind of designs, it's usually always it's because a client's seen an architect that they want. And I was like, "Wow, they struck lucky if they got you here on this bungalow." And um <laughs> so this so this project really is kind of compared to what the work you did on the main house. This was your chance to sing and and express what you wanted to express. Exactly. Um, was that did that in some way then make it also challenging in a sense because? If they weren't too fussed about the design, you kind of didn't have limits.
1: Um, yes, it was challenging, but we did have uh, one big constraint, which was the budget. Um, so that that was a, that was a big one. But also, um, I, we knew what kind of finishes they wanted to use. So they, they do they did definitely want you know polished floors and. Uh, almost like a polished cement look on the walls, um, uh, which we can go into a little bit more, but um, I I did get some references from them. um, And so, you know, we, in some way I did, I made sure to try to propose something that I knew that they weren't going to totally discard. Um, So, Mm -hmm. so they're, they're, they weren't. They were too fussed, but I knew that if I proposed something totally radical and not and different to what they needed or wanted or imagined in their uh, heads, um, that that they would easily discard it. So I, I didn't want to waste any energy on that either. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of you know that balance, which I think is always present for any architect, um, where you have to. Take take the the or try to understand what they're picturing or imagining, and um, and really make it you know better.
0: <laughs> yeah, and how so? How does this project compare to um, other ones that you've been working on in the practice leading up to it? Kind of what what did this project and opportunity represent compared to what had come before?
1: Uh, actually, pretty similar. Um, you know, we're we're a pretty young firm. We've only uh, been working for uh, four years together, and it's been kind of um, a slow, uh, organic uh, development. So most of our projects up to now have been, you know, kind of well. I need this, and uh, I mean, I guess you're an architect. I don't really know what you do, uh, but this is what I need. So, so it's it's been difficult, and uh, definitely you know, stressful to kind of feel like you really want to push, you really want to push the, the, the design and you really want to push the client when when oftentimes they're not uh, necessarily that receptive um, because they, they don't know what, what you can do, right? Um, mm-hmm. or, they're, or they're simply not interested, they just need somebody to kind of execute. Um, as of now, Things are starting to change. Uh, thankfully, clients have, uh, our clients have started to you know, look for us based on what we have been able to do in the past. So mm-hmm. I think that um, that kind of struggle in the beginning uh, is finally um, giving fruit in that clients, you know, I, I imagine the design process from now on will not be as, as difficult because usually we are proposing very very different things to what these clients were picturing Mm -hmm. in their heads Um, so that has always been the challenge
0: it it takes time to get things built and prove yourself doesn't it and i definitely remember us with our practice probably about three four years was the time where for the first bit the website was just full of imagination and Mm -hmm. theory (laughs) and then suddenly we had things to show and and things change don't they with the commissions that come um, yeah. What's, I mean, what's, I mean, you're, you're definitely garnering a lot of attention with this project and a lot of yeah. press worldwide, and, and I'm speaking to you from the other side of the world about it as well. Um, and I think what's really striking about it and what makes it really stand out is it's got this really interesting combination of it's extremely simple, very pared back and simple, but it's, it's very modern in the sense of the concrete structure. But it's got this really strong historical reference as well to traditional um, methods of construction, with these two what I've called straw hats on on either end of the <laughs> bungalow. But these are these are kind of using traditional Mexican techniques, and the is it am I writing calling it the palapa structure? Correct. Uh, yeah, being a that. very sort of typical. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And was that a real conscious kind of thought to? to merge these these two kind of construction techniques
1: yeah definitely i I think that uh, you know we always strive to do um contemporary architecture and by contemporary we we kind of understand it as belonging to a time and a place so um you know we can't and, and you know in this case for this project it meant that we we were belonging to to the Pacific Mexican coast, um, and to this time. Obviously, we we, we can't. Uh, we have to reference and reinterpret um, historical elements, but uh, the the design needs to be of this time, right? We, we can't copy um, and paste. Uh, so the the palapa is and and. Obviously, it's not only a Mexican uh, system, um, but uh, the, the, the idea of the palapa is more of like a, a climatic, climatic um, issue, right? So, you know, higher ceilings, we have these vents at the top of, uh, of the palapa that allow the heat to escape. Um, and so in that sense, we turn to traditional tropical, Almost vernacular architecture, rather, um, mm-hmm. to incorporate that into our project uh, and and really get the, the benefits that, that come from that. The challenge here was, for example, but we also we also always like to give it a little bit of a twist, right? So uh, usually there the these structures are built with with the with trunks um, or branches of the uh, of the guayabillo tree or of other trees. Um, we wanted to fine tune that and, and design a kind of uh, uh, what do you call it, dimensioned wood uh, joinery, and, and be, make it so that the structure is also part of that uh, mm-hmm. um, contemporary twist to, to the palapa. So um, that was really the only difference in working with the with the palapero, the the person who who does palapas usually. Is we had to tell them, look, we're going to build the structure like this, and you you come in and you can weave the palm. Um, so we just need to know, like, how do you weave the palm? What are the distances that you need, and uh, how we can design this structure so it looks uh, contemporary to us, and but also it can work perfectly for the thatch system that you um, you know ancestrally. right?
0: Mm-hmm. So it's working with a skilled craftsman. So palapero is is the person that I'm thinking the equivalent in the UK is we have thatch roofing. It's a very traditional mm, form of yeah. roofing, but it's not using palm leaves like you've used here. Um, but yeah, in terms of working with the palapero, is that something that you've you've done before, or was this was this a new technique for you to also bring into one of your buildings?
1: Yeah, no, it was a new technique, um, but new uh, new in the sense that no we hadn't ever really done a palapa ourselves but we do we did go to architecture school here in Mexico and we did study the vernacular and we have lived under palapas every time we go to the beach throughout our lives uh, mm-hmm. so we know the system very well um, rather the 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 technicalities of the Weaving of the palm and uh, the actual execution. There are there were there were some questions, but I think that we were familiar enough with the with the system that that we were able to to design. Uh, you know that's why we were, felt confident to take that leap. Like, well, we can do this with dimensional wood and uh, make it make that that modular structure work. Uh, there's no reason it, it needs to strictly be. The, the trunks or the organic trunks that, that they use. Um, so, so yeah, I think I think that uh, it's very familiar to us in that sense. Of, even though we hadn't really used it before.
0: So even just in terms of how the ceiling looks when you're inside these the two sort of square rooms that the mm-hmm. that the thatch roof sits on top, the timber does look very modern underneath it's very clean and crisp and then it's got the mm. traditional weave on the top what about what's going on with the the vents at the top because it looks like the roof is, is square so it's a, a kind of pyramid but then you mm. get these two kind of openings at the at the top wow. as well is that for the venting is that for ventilation to run through
1: correct yeah so you have the the the, the roof is pitched to towards four sides uh, right like a pyramid as you said although it, the, the pitch on the two shorter sides is much uh, less and on those sides is where we, we put in the opening um, for the for the heat to, to rise and escape and have a, kind of a, a natural flow created inside of, that, of the space uh, airflow created inside of that space um, interesting part is, is that obviously if you have a pitched roof and you poke a hole in it then uh, rain is going to fall through it right? but uh, the, the solution or the traditional solution for that is that main kind of beam that run, runs along uh, the, the length of the, of the palapa like where the two larger pitches meet uh, extends a little bit further and covers those uh, openings um, it's also a, a pretty uh, cool source of natural light uh, and direct natural light as well
0: mm-hmm and it's interesting you mentioned that you you kind of you grew up with these and you see these a lot everywhere um but to me they kind of really stand out they look totally different but I think it's because they're sat on top of something that's so crisp and square and clean cut as a as a concrete box so it's it, it's like they're two little hats that are sort of sat on top and it kind of exaggerates the softness and the organicness of the of the material um and and how they're made what what was the idea was there a sort of moment where you kind of had an idea of well let's let's stick these two hats on on the top and let's make this the kind of key component of the design
1: yeah i think that we we like to play with kind of pure geometries um Mm -hmm. and uh, as well as have these moments of of contrast, right, where, as you were saying, you have a very kind of uh, pure rectangular shape and then um, these elements that are kind of set on top of it um, feel almost like a little independent addition or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that contrast in terms of texture and construction on one side and then on the other side generating generating that that space underneath um, where you know really we, we think about uh, the the we're trying to keep costs down so our ceilings are low so everything is kind of to the minimum um, how can we really expand the, the spaces uh, or the living spaces uh, be it that is the, the bedroom and the mm-hmm. uh, Kind of dining or living area on the other side, um, so that's where we we came up. We need to do something with the ceiling. We need to we need to think of something here that can you know help us have help us have this heat escape, um, and at the same time create a, a better atmosphere um, than just this flat concrete slab, um, and that. Mm-hmm. That question just immediately brought us to to think of putting in the year on the beach, um, mm-hmm. and and so that that just kind of cultural reference uh, was immediately there. Like it just made mm-hmm. sense to 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 us at the time, and uh, the clients liked the idea. So uh, yeah, that's how that kind of came about. Mm-hmm.
0: In terms of, I mean, the layout of the project, it's, it's really simple, isn't it? The bungalow, it's, it's almost like three squares. Of one is um, a kitchen and living space with the palapa, the thatch roof above. In the middle, there's another open courtyard square that's that's in between the sort of two rooms. So you walk outside to then go to the bedroom that's got the bathroom and that beautiful um, walk-in shower. Um, what's the kind of? Could you talk me through a little bit about the simplicity of this layout? Because it is, it's kind of living got everything that you need it's a home in itself you can you can live in it but it's completely pared down to basics
1: mm-hmm. that that's really you know we, we like to work on in plans uh to make sure that everything that every you know without without be becoming uh, totally obsessed or plan obsessed uh, but to make sure that everything every every area is, is used and functional and the same time here the the budget constraints we, we knew that the cost per square meter of the project the minimum cost per square meter of the project that we were felt comfortable working with right so so really the only way to bring costs down uh was to make it smaller um so that was kind of the the starting point for that and then from there it was just an exercise of uh you know, on one hand, trying to accommodate some layout ideas coming from the client, but on the other hand, really just making it so that you have every single thing you need in that space to live in. Um, there's there's nothing. It, it could be a it could be a rental, or it could be a more of a long-term living situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was important to have to really. Make it so that nothing was missing, um, and then really just working working with the plan. And the 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 only thing that we I guess kind of did expand a little bit more on was that central courtyard space, right? So, um, and in in doing that, we are we are generating that because there was no really kind of hard surface exterior space tied to the to the house. Uh, and we found it interesting that, um, we could create that space. Uh, we, we said, okay, we can't, we can't afford to build this roof. So what do we do? Um, okay. Make sure that you have enough roof to walk from the, from the living space to the bedroom. And then let's poke a huge circle into it. And, uh, that we just imagined how that, um, Shadow was going to be carried through from the walls down to the floor and then along the other, up and on the other wall throughout the day. I thought that was a really interesting uh, place and uh, space and uh, at the same time create the framework for the client to eventually, I don't know, hang a hammock or, um, you know, very cheaply build something and kind of make that, make that space uh, something interesting.
0: I like that. I was going to ask where the idea for the big circle in the the roof came from, but I I love the yeah. idea that it came from. There wasn't any money, so to save material, <laughs> just cut a big hole in the top. But it looks fantastic. It's the thing that ties the project together. And so, if it's raining, you can you can move from the kitchen to the bedroom if you sort of walk in a sort of semicircle. I take it and you're, you're covered, right?
1: Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah.
0: So so the box, the the main part of the building, is made out of concrete. Um, and was again was this a budget driven um, idea to start with?
1: Yeah so we really it it is totally budget uh, driven however it is concrete but also cinder block so it's budget driven in the sense that um, cinder block construction here in Mexico is the cheapest form of construction I know that's very different in other parts of the world where I, I know the state's probably wood framing. Uh, um, I'm not sure about the UK, but, uh, Brick, most of definitely <laughs> brick. <Yeah. laughs> well, that's more, that's more similar to what we have here in Mexico. Um, so even cheaper than brick is concrete blocks, um, like prefabricated concrete blocks, but so like aerated. Get, correct. Yeah. And, uh, Mason rework, uh, yes, but, um, not, Brick because it's slightly more expensive, so it's just uh, um, yeah, let those aerated uh prefabricated concrete blocks, um, yes,
0: so a bit like here, we could like breeze blocks type um construction,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, correct. So, so we knew that we were gonna have to use that, um, but we like the idea of having exposed concrete as well. Um, so we decided to kind of use the cinder block. We knew we were going to have to use some uh, f- some sort of finish on there. At the time, not really sure what it was going to be. Um, and then we decided, why don't we make the sections that we can, that, that we are going to pour in concrete, try, try for it to be uh, exposed and, and to mm-hmm. be careful about that, that pour and that frame of uh, Form work um, uh, to really make it make it be honest. Uh, honesty is something that we also strive for as much as possible in, in our design. So uh, that that's why we, we did the uh, the whole uh, roof pour. That is the the beam and the slab uh, exposed, and and then kind of took that and rolled with it and took it to the extreme a little bit.
0: And you've done that when you talk about honesty. You kind of mean in terms of the honesty of the construction and really kind of revealing how this thing's put together. You've 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 taken that sort of to town, really, with in terms of like the lintels and even I think on one of the facades where the the kitchen's all made out of concrete, correct? And um, you can actually on the outside you can see the kitchen. So where the kitchen's been formed and the beams that create it, they just cut right through and form part of the facade. Um, can you can you tell me a little bit about that? Because you've used that f- sort of throughout the property that technique.
1: Yeah, exactly. So so once we decided to okay, well we'll do the 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 beams and the roof exposed. Um, and so we're like, okay, well what else is in concrete? Should we do something else exposed? Uh, I was like, well let's why don't we do this. Uh, you know, lintel framing above the, the windows and the doors and have that lintel be exposed. And once we did that and started to look at the facade, and we found it really interesting how these lines um, just started to, to appear along the facade. And we said, well, what if we just even go further with it and uh, everything that is going to be concrete, because there's there are also some built-in stuff, built-in shelving, built-in let's let's have that come out in the facade let's um, let's make it let's make it yeah be super honest and 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 kind of uh, you know functional like modern in the sense that the facade reveals the function um, so so yeah like you said the kitchen um, the kitchen is there it reveals itself in the facade it doesn't go all the way across the facade because obviously there's a space for the refrigerator uh so that's where that counter is interrupted and so that's why the facade it, it doesn't go all the way across and then where, wherever we wanted to put shelves inside we, had, we were making sure that those shelves come out um, and, and and appear in the facade as well um, and so that that kind of whenever we find those little rules that we can play by and just take to to the limit uh, we like to exploit that
0: what was the builder that was uh, working on this project? What was their response to this kind of approach? Because we've often found, you know, you can you work with builders and, and naturally they're sort of proud of their technique and they want to make things look kind of clean and finished. And sometimes when we're trying to expose and and do these kind of techniques, it's kind of counterintuitive to them. Um, did the, How did that work here in this project? And um, did it need to be kind of closely managed? Um, um, what was the kind of reaction generally?
1: Thankfully, um, you know, our builder is an architect as well. And, uh, he understood the, the aesthetics, he understood the intention, um, and, and had no problem executing, uh, you know, obviously with the, with the oversight that we always do, but, uh, really just, it was almost just kind of an instruction and he got it right away. But Mm -hmm. here in Mexico, uh it would have been very difficult with with any other builder to to convince them to do that. Um, They would have charged us extra for having (laughs) to do it that way for sure. For doing Um, less work. Exactly, (laughs) basically. So
0: what what would be the typical thing then in terms of to get an understanding of this area if somebody was just doing the most bog-standard bungalow just to sort of get a visual next to the one that you've done? What's the kind of real sort of basic yeah. way to do this? So
1: I guess just uh, concrete, concrete framed, um, but not ex- since it's not exposed concrete. The the formwork is just uh, second use, second use uh, wood. So so once you w- once you take that apart, just there's no way that you could leave that exposed and for somebody mm-hmm. to to appreciate it. Um, so concrete frame and then the, the cinder block that I was mentioning, just a cement uh, rough finish and then paint on top, right? So I guess that, mm-hmm. the elements that are different um, and, you know, still in keeping with what is cheap and what is accessible to do here and what uh, everybody knows how to do is, yeah, make sure that, okay, the elements that we're pouring in concrete, we need to use proper uh, form work and make sure that we're able to leave this exposed. Um, and then the finish that we're going to put on the cinder block, um, we're going to avoid paint. Uh, so we're going to use uh, more of this lime-based stucco um, that, that we can uh, apply onto that cinder block and not do paint. We, we're avoiding paint at all costs uh, in every project that we do here in say so um for on the one hand aesthetic reasons or principles of honesty that we like to to adhere by but also just uh maintenance over time
0: and that's is that to do with humidity
1: yes absolutely so the the paint just starts to bubble up from the wall um there's so much humidity and in the ground, uh, in the, in the ground and in the air, those, those walls are basically like sponges. So, you know, humidity comes up through up in them or down from the top or, um, so when that, that, when the sun or when those walls heat up and that humidity starts to evaporate a little bit, uh, that layer of, of paint just starts to bubble up and then, uh, also the, the water here being so close to the ocean is very um you know has a lot of salt and minerals in it so uh when you that that also it helps the that process of just bubbling up the paint so you have to peel the paint off refinish and then paint over again um but that's still using, the most yes that's still the most commonly used uh system, yeah. Um people yeah. just paint over and over and over again. Also because it is definitely cheaper.
0: Yeah. But so here it's a totally breathable building, um with it being yeah. based stucco.
1: Yeah it's still it's still pretty sealed but um the it does allow that stucco does allow the humidity to escape. Um and the the color is is integrated into that stucco that the stucco is white when we buy it. Um, and basically, we just add uh, um, some powdered pigments that are usually added to concrete. Um, and, and and just kind of tweak the colors do a bunch of different samples. And once we find that formula, approve um, uh, it. And, and that's what we use for, for the, the finish. Yeah.
0: Um. And what about in terms of the roof? Like we talked about, like what would be the typical kind of thing that's done um, in this area if, if somebody was building a sort of standard bungalow? What about for, uh, the, yeah, roof? for like, the roof?
1: For the roof, there's uh, I guess here in the area there are two two systems. Uh, it's a little more interesting when, when there's a a client or a person willing to spend a little bit more. Um, we do what what we call a boveda catalana. Uh, which is uh, based, I think, like a Catalan vault. Um, and I, I, I'm sure that that's not necessarily what a Catalan vault actually is. But uh, what it is basically is small I-beams uh, that run across uh, the span of where we're going to pour the, the roof, uh, probably every two or three feet. Um, and then between those I-beams, you build uh, with, with brick, Uh, a kind of small vault. So your ceiling looks like you have these I-beams running through it and then um, these small vaults that run across it and then you pour a slab on top of it. Um, Other than that, the most basic thing uh, is just uh, the, uh, we we call it um, uh, casetones. So like... Concrete prefab concrete uh, small beams almost shaped like I beams actually it's essentially the same system uh, but instead of that brickwork and that I beams uh, you use concrete prefab and then um, styrofoam insets in the in the in between them and then you pour the slab and you finish uh, the the bottom of it as well. So what's been the
0: response of the, the owners then of the property? Because you mentioned right at the beginning, uh, kind of surprisingly, they weren't too bothered about the design of this bungalow. They kind of got a bit of free reign. What's been their reaction to now what they've got of something pretty special and pretty unique?
1: It's interesting. Yeah, they, they at, at first glance, they loved it. Then, um, then they were like, well, but this is you still have to finish this, right? <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and that's kind of the point where I had to explain. Like, once it was already built, um, also because they 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 were never here for the process. They were already they, they were back in the states, so they had the right. surprise. Uh, um, but yeah, they didn't understand right away that that no, that that those were going to be exposed. Um, and actually, they were like, "Well, it doesn't look finished." And I was like, "Well, you know we." <laughs> if you look at other concrete, it's, it's actually, you know, this is very well done in in comparison. And, um, I was like, okay, well, I guess it's fine, but at least that kitchen area, I want you to finish. So we were about, and we were about to redo it. I was putting it off as much as possible uh, to apply the stucco around that concrete around the kitchen. And, uh, And then she calls me one day and is like, you know what? Um, It's growing on me. It's growing on me. I think that we're going to leave it. So uh, kind of a surprise... Uh, positive and then some negative that turned into positive eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really
0: interesting response this in terms of... I don't think I've had this before in terms of a project <laughs> and the sort of surprise element for the client. Um, yeah. What do you think for them? Do you think... Have you had much sort of feedback from them from using um, the bungalow? Um,
1: yeah, no, they, they enjoy it very much. The, the palapa is... A little bit of an issue because um of, it's obviously it's not perfectly sealed so and they're in the middle of the jungle so uh there's mosquitoes so we've put in mosquito mosquito net in the openings that we had um frame and so just small tweaks like that um but they also understand that they chose to move into the middle of the jungle so the challenges that come with that uh would be there regardless of of um, the final uh, of, the, of the actual design, and um, so really they they they're satisfied uh, with that, and, and uh, uh, with some minor tweaks, we've been able to to uh, make them happy.
0: And it, I, I imagine it feels very much like a sanctuary in this place. It feels very. Um, relaxing, and even the landscape is very minimal. There's a there's a sort of walled garden outside that's kind of ex- extremely minimal landscape. But have you have you had the the chance to experience the space and stay in it yourself?
1: Um, unfortunately, no. I haven't stayed in it. Uh, really, we were rushing to finish before they yeah. they arrived. Uh, they're actually. Uh, living there while we build the main house on the same property so somewhat living in the construction zone which they were informed of and and prepared prepared for i guess so yeah unfortunately no but um yeah it's 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 interesting because the the space although it is very remote it's also pretty well connected so you know it it, it is only just like a 10 minute Drive to the nearest little town, um, but but it does feel like you know somewhat idyllic and and, and like a paradise. Uh, yeah, especially you know in, that, in, in the summer when the sunsets are so uh, long, um, the being in that in that place is, is pretty special. Uh, you mentioned some of that that landscape that we did. Uh, around it um, kind of a lot of the decisions that have that, that are made in this project happen somewhat organically that's those are rocks that are on site that started to come up during excavation um, right so really uh, what do we do with them are we going to get rid of them no so uh, just a quick sketch to see how we can kind of move them around I actually spent a morning um, um. There, with the excavator just moving rocks around and kind of placing them uh, where it felt right. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that was kind of a, a little bit of a romantic experience there. Um, so yeah, it's just been kind of a lot of going, going with the flow and, and, and directing uh, and taking advantage of what we can.
0: And what's been the response locally to the, to the project?
1: Oh, it's been great. Yeah, actually, they you know people stop by. Uh, there's a lot of a lot other lots for sale in that area, right? So um, people are walking. Uh, people walk through the construction, look in, and uh, it, it's it's definitely something different to to what's to what's around. It's something very different. So it it, it does call out to a lot of people, and uh, but. And it's very different. I think that we've managed to find that, that place where it is something unique uh, and different, but not alien to the to the site, you know. Um, which I think that people are recognizing and, and, and getting in touch with us to to see if, see what we can, what other projects we can do.
0: What about for you then? What's what's special about this project for you? What are you most proud of?
1: Um I think that I'm most proud of the, the kind of this decision with the with the concrete, I think with with exposing and, and uh, bringing to the facade what is happening on the inside. it's it's just very satisfying when, when when you can think of kind of like a formula or a rule that you can then follow uh, throughout the design process. I don't know if you find it to be the case. Uh, Mm-hmm. But for us whenever we we kind of we, we try to establish criteria um, in order to make the design process a little bit easier and, and just and, and when things start to fall in place and you can uh, you don't have to make too many exceptions on those criteria that you established. It's, it's kind of satisfying and rewarding when it, it when it's then executed and, and gets such uh, positive feedback in mm-hmm.
0: It is. I mean, it's a key part of the creative process, isn't it? And often it's talked about as a sort of creative inspiration, but also on a really kind of basic level, I think it makes it easier to design something by exactly. placing some form of constraint. And maybe here it was all the more important because you had clients that that were located away from the site and it sounds like it had given you quite a free reign. Um, I mean, if you were able to drive around with a bulldozer and and move rocks around as well, you definitely (laughs) had a bit of free reign here. Um, Are there any things that you kind of look back on this project and think you'd you'd maybe approach in a different way now if you were doing it, if you had the opportunity to do it again? Hmm,
1: That's interesting. Uh, Many things, (laughs) but... um, Probably... Trying to be sure of what the the client trying trying to nail down a little bit more um, the, what what the client was looking for, and now I'm talking more about the 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 whole the project as a whole, not not just the mm-hmm. bungalow. Um, but you know, we we were kind of lying to ourselves at the beginning, uh, thinking that that these clients were going to be able to. To be receptive to uh, other types of, of, of proposals, um, you know. You, you always ask a client. Well, they give us they give us a floor plan, right? And we're like, "So, are you open to suggestions on this?" Um, and they were like, "Yeah, I mean, we like this floor plan, but I, we know, definitely know that there are improvements." Um, and instead of taking that answer for what it was, we kind of took it for what we wanted it to be, which was, let's basically, you know, have somewhat of the same organization, but we're going to redo this whole, (laughs) this whole design. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And those are the risks that you want to take. But uh, I think that after this experience, we just, uh, it's, it's not worth it sometimes uh, Mm -hmm. to go into that battle and, when you know
0: you're you're gonna lose and what what's sort of happening in terms of the is there is there an architecture scene sort of generally in the region that you're in and on the pacific coast you mentioned that there's a few other architects um, particularly that were approached by by these clients but is what's kind of inspiring you at the moment in terms of um, architecture in mexico in particular
1: Oh, in Mexico. um, Yeah, I think that in in this area, there aren't, there actually aren't that many architects that are really pushing um, boundaries of design. Mm -hmm. So, uh, to a certain extent, we have found uh, somewhat of a niche in the market, um, especially managing these types of, uh, you know, lower to mid. Uh, budget builds and designs. If you if you go to high budget or higher end designs and projects, there's hundreds of architects uh, that that are not only in the area, but you know who, who wouldn't mind uh, traveling to the area just to visit site and design elsewhere and to see clients here. Um, so so there's only but there's only a few that uh, feel are like us who are who are pushing the envelope a little bit in, in terms of design within this uh, small budget in this area. So we have a, a kind of a big advantage there. But um, in general, in Mexico, uh, I I am a huge fan of Alberto Kalach. Um, I think that he is an architect that understands that Honesty understands that site, understands the the tools that are at hand for not only a big budget build, but a small budget build and, and can exploit the, the crafts. Um, and Gabriela Carrillo, formerly partner of uh, Mauricio Rocha, um, but Gabriela Carrillo was my teacher in school, and uh, I, I just admire her work ethic and uh, on top of like that, uh, the creativity that she has, and both of them have projects in the on the Pacific Coast. Um, not only here around here, we're also very close to Punta Mita. I think that's a very uh, good reference as well that might um, come to mind. as like a big resort uh, area um, where celebrities travel to and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's actually very close to Litibú um, so there's, there's projects there and on, along the Oaxacan coast. Um, so yeah, I think that those, those two architects are, are kind of who I consider to be, uh, aligned with what we believe in and, uh, that we look up to.
0: Mm-hmm. There's, cause I've also sort of read about, um, that there's a bit of a sort of movement at the moment, there's this, this post-digital drawing movement in, in Mexico that you were, as a company are also part of. Can you tell me a little bit about that, what, what that kind of means to you?
1: Yeah. Um, the, so, you know, I guess kind of out of necessity uh, in the beginning, we started to explore a different type of representation. Um, we went to school at the uh, National University in Mexico City, it's a public school, uh, one of the best architecture schools in, in the country, but it's also very um, kind of outdated uh, in that, in terms of technology, um, we weren't really trained in rendering and um, high, uh, high uh, like complicated modeling software or uh, anything like that. We we were trained in drawing and uh, watercolors and perspective and just kind of this uh you know more hands-on approach so um, so when we started working and we were having trouble getting our renderings to the level that that we that we felt was expected from us uh, we decided to kind of explore this this side of representation and do more collage because, um, really, what we were hoping to achieve is to have that to communicate that the con those contrasts and textures and that atmosphere, um, not necessarily kind of a finished image that is going to go into the client's head and is locked in there and then you can't really do anything about it later on. Um, whereas we can have kind of convey more of like an atmosphere and uh and what kind of textures you're going to have around you and then uh leave it a little bit more open-ended so that there is that flexibility later on where uh things can change or adapt and as long as we kind of can come back to this uh atmosphere uh then then that's great right but mm-hmm. i mean th- architectural collage is not a new uh concept at all um started looking back at at, at collages from from the 70s and uh felt really inspired and drawn to them Um, so so yeah i I don't think that we can take any credit for that um, but
0: but it is the fact that there's a few practices all doing it uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's true. kind of collectively which is what sort of generates the attention um but i mean i couldn't agree more i mean i it's interesting you said about teaching at, at your school i was sort of thought the opposite in the uk of too much on the sort of technique side of rendering and this very sort of cold technical way of presenting and and definitely also notice just as a boss now of just lots of people sort of coming through university and not having the, the basic skills of hand drawing and really sort of relaying emotion and texture and feeling uh, and relying too much on the, on the computer. So it's kind of interesting. It's kind of reversal of that. Um, But did you use those kind of techniques with these clients then as well, in terms of presenting these ideas um, for the bungalow?
1: Um, No, not really. (laughs) 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 Not really, because uh, I think that we also have to know, where, who, who, your audience is, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, with these specific clients, uh, I, I knew that they were going to be expecting some renderings because they, they mentioned it several times. Uh, yeah. so, um, and you know, the, to, to a certain extent, we, sometimes we do these, we, we always do these, uh, collages, sometimes more for us, sometimes more for the clients, sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's always to kind of understand that process and that, um, Mm -hmm. and and kind of that initial atmosphere that is triggered by, uh, by, by more ethereal image. Um, but, but yeah, we, we, I've shared, I've shared a couple with them and, and they're like, Oh, that's cool. But, uh, this, this one was not really the, the, the one that we were mm-hmm. able to apply. But we do apply where we can and, and understand that sometimes, you know, a client expects photorealistic renderings mm-hmm. and uh, you you also have to accommodate to that. But um, that intent of trying to, to to push and take people in a different direction sometimes is, is uh, we feel, important.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, um, well now I've got there's three questions that I ask um, all of my guests, so I'm turning the tables on to you and away from the the building and the practice Um, So the first one is what's the one thing that really annoys you about your home?
1: Well I was thinking about this, now I'm kind of in between homes but I'm going to talk about my latest, my last more long term home in Mexico Mm -hmm. City which is an apartment Mm-hmm. Um, and in apartments, I think that, the, my pet peeve is wasted or non-functional space. Uh, so specifically about my home there, it's a two bedroom, uh, two bath, but one bedroom is minuscule, and the other bedroom is way too big, so I, that's kind of like my my the most annoying thing about my home.
0: so a leveling out between the two bedrooms would benefit right. um yeah. and if you could describe one home that you've visited that has really inspired you um and and why it's inspired you, what would you choose
1: uh I'm going to have to go with the pretty stereotypical answer for a Mexican architect here, and I'm going to say Luis Barragan's home. Mm -hmm. Um, As you, if you you arrive at Luis Barragan's home and you look at the facade, it's really nothing. It's a wall with a door. Um, And then as you walk in, it just starts to reveal itself to you really walk into this this world uh, that you you feel you're in Barragán's head. Uh, it it feels like this is where he was able to apply um, what he what he believes to be good architecture in terms of managing of the light, in terms of the, the gardens, um, and and really create kind of this world that looks in upon itself. Uh, in such a chaotic and hectic con- context uh, like Mexico City mm-hmm. um, so uh, I think I'm gonna say that and what inspired me yeah that that like the use of the light and the garden and color and uh, what we call here la quinta fachada the fifth facade that is the view towards the sky and mm-hmm. um, uh, that, the use of that uh, roof, roof
0: area uh, found amazing well I, I don't know whether the answer to the next question might be linked to this one but um, if you could choose any designer to design you a new home who would you choose uh,
1: I think that I would choose probably Peter Sumter um, I'm a huge 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 fan of yeah, the kind of and that and that a lot of what we we practice or try to practice comes from him in terms of that honesty in in construction and in the materials and just that that understanding of the processes and knowing how to uh, absorb and reinterpret and apply them uh, to create these just very. Dramatic, atmospheric uh, spaces um, mm-hmm. that speak to you emotionally when you when you walk into um, So I think that would be probably the architect I would choose. So the Swiss architect If I could Peter, choose any, yeah. <laughs> Peter
0: Zumter has he has he ever done any work on the American continent, or has it all been European based?
1: Um, I think he was working on the museum in los angeles uh i don't know if it if it's been built yet uh other than that i don't think so i think it's mostly have, european based
0: have you had the opportunity to visit any of his buildings
1: yes yes i visited the the thermal baths in, in Vilsen, switzerland mm-hmm. um and his uh, chapel um Mm. not the brother Klaus chapel unfortunately but the, the other one um, it's, it's kind of like a, like a wooden uh, Oh, the
0: timber the, the timber, timber eclipse the timber, yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah exactly um, but really the the thermal baths was just uh, amazing like the, the use of light and, and atmosphere mm. and Obviously, it all it feeds from the program that it's carrying, right, which is mm. basically a spa, thermal baths. Um, but um, I just found it amazing how it, it understands the site, the program, the user, and and it's, it's just a beautiful space.
0: Yeah. Well, I think for me as well, I think that's probably one of the best pieces of modern architecture I've ever visited. Mm. Um that and the chapel as well actually incredible yeah. um but juan thank you very much for for joining me on the podcast it's been really interesting to find out more about the projects thank you George. thank you for listening to this episode if you'd like to find out more about palmer then please visit our website at anotherarchitecturepodcast.com where you'll find links to their work And try out the podcast Instagram to see work of all my guests and sneak previews of upcoming guests. If you enjoyed the episode, please tell your friends. And if you can, give me a review on iTunes or whichever platform you are listening on, as it's a great way to help other people find the podcast. I look forward to you joining me for the next episode. And thanks again for listening.